Greetings, dear friends. Welcome to another episode of Saturated in Scripture. Friends, you are tuning into Saturated in Scripture, a weekly devotional program designed to help you taste and see the sweetness of the gospel in Scripture. My name is Elliot and I'm your host for the program and it's my joy to help us to pause each week to hear what God has to say to us through his word and spirit. Can you believe it? We are about 10% into our plan of reading through the Psalms together this year. If you've been following along, well done everyone. One of the aims of our program is to help us enjoy God more through his word so that we may know how to live. This is a reminder that our readings for this week is Psalms chapter 16 to 17. Psalms chapter 16 to 17 and our psalm in focus for this episode is Psalm chapter 16. If you're able to, let me invite you to keep your Bibles open to Psalm chapter 16 and let's read along together. Psalms chapter 16 says this, Keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. I say of the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones in whom is all my delight. Those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. I will not pour out libations of blood to such gods or take up their names on my lips. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure, because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead nor will you let your faithful ones see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. This is the word of the Lord. Well, friends, what do you need? What do you need? I remember as a child going to the shops and picking up a toy And then saying to my father, Dad, can you please get this for me? I need this. I'm sure you can imagine what his first response was. In his wisdom, which I did not appreciate at that time, he replies to me, Son, do you need it or do you want it? Now, as a five-year-old, I did not understand what that meant. And to be clear, I didn't care if I needed or wanted it. I just knew I had to have it in my life. It's funny, I don't even remember what that toy is anymore. But apparently, that toy was so important for me that I had to have a breakdown or emotional meltdown at the mall. I thought I needed it. I'm sure that all of us have had this conversation at least once in our life, either as a parent or as a child. But it's a penetrating question, isn't it? There are so many things we want to have in life, but distinguishing need and want is critical. It helps us to prioritize. It helps us to consider what is absolutely necessary. So, what do you need? 
When we think of the word need, our minds tend to drift to perhaps the classic hierarchy of needs by the American psychologist Abraham Maslow. He came up with this idea in the 1943 paper called A Theory of Human Motivation. And the basic premise behind this hierarchy is that humans have fundamental needs in order to arrive at a point of self-actualization or transcendence. If you've never heard of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, then perhaps you can imagine a pyramid with me. For example, like a food pyramid. And at the base or at the bottom is the first and primary need, and that is physiological. You need food, water, warmth, rest, and the like at the basic level your body needs to be taken care of. We move up one layer in the pyramid and we find ourselves having safety needs. Sure enough, once you have basic needs, then what you need next is a secure environment. If you move one level further up, then you have the needs of belonging and love. We need intimate relationships and friends and relationships. It's only by having our physiological safety and relational needs met that we are prepared to move up one layer further up, and that's where self-esteem needs are met. This is where we have needs for prestige and accomplishments and approval. And it's only by having this need met that we move up one more further level up and we reach the apex of the pyramid of self-actualization. This is where one achieves his or her fullest potential in life. Five basic needs. Physiological, safety, belonging and love, esteem, and then self-actualization. Now, this hierarchy has come under criticism in academia, and while many have found it helpful, uh, some still criticize it for lacking inconclusive support. And a big part of why some people have reservations about this theory is that it categorizes human psychology in a way that seems a little artificial and forced. Surely, one's needs are not as tidy or neat as this. Uh, Surely, there are overlaps, right? Nevertheless, I find it to be a helpful frame of reference. It helps us to start somewhere. Because what Maslow's hierarchy of needs show us is that what we ultimately need is God. You might have heard people describe a quote-unquote God-shaped hole in every person's heart. This is a hole where only the love of God can fill. You know, these are euphemisms to the reality that humans were made by God and made for God. We were made to be in a relationship with God. This is what Psalm 16 is talking about. It tells us that God is what we need because it is in Him that we have safety, satisfaction, and security. The psalmist is telling us that God is all that we could ever want and need. Look at verse 1 with me. He says, Keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. The psalmist is asking the Lord to keep him physically safe. Now, what we observe from the context is that there is actually no immediate threat to the psalmist. Therefore, this petition in this verse is general in nature and can be applied to us in almost every circumstance. And the psalmist is asking this not with a sort of wishful hope that God can keep him safe. Rather, he is asking with a bold confidence that God will. Safety. 
It is because of this that the psalmist proceeds in verses 2 to 8 to praise and worship God. He says in verse 2, You are my God. Apart from you, I have no good thing. Translation, You are my God. If I have you, then I do not need anything else. This is the language of satisfaction. Being full to the point where I don't need anything else anymore. Why? How is this possible? Well, verses 5 to 8 make that clear. Read along with me. The psalmist says in verse 5 that God is his portion and his cup. That God has made his lot secure. Now, these are somewhat unfamiliar concepts to us. But in ancient Near Eastern times, fathers would often portion up their lamb and divide it to their children as a form of inheritance. That's what portion means. And a cup is sometimes understood as a symbol of blessing. For example, Psalm 23 verse 5, a psalm very well known to us, the psalmist says in verse 5 that his cup is overflowing. In other words, God has poured out so much blessing that he can barely contain it. So what Psalm chapter 16 verse 5 is saying, that God is the reason that the psalmist has abundance. God has portioned the land and has given him inheritance. God has given him a cup of blessing. This is his satisfaction. His needs are truly met. God has given him all that he could ever want and need. As a result, the psalmist in verse 9 transitions and says, My heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure. So we first spoke of safety in verse 1. We spoke of satisfaction in verses 2 to 8. And now from verses 9 to 11, we see the theme of security. The psalmist praises God for security. And how does the Lord provide this? Verses 10 to 11 tell us, It is firstly by providing David the psalmist immunity from the effects of death. It says, You will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. Obviously, this does not mean that people will not die. Rather, it is saying that the children of God will only die a physical death and not a spiritual one that though their bodies may decay, their lives are hidden with Christ on high, waiting the final resurrection. Secondly, God provides security by, verse 11, giving guidance. It says, you make known to me the path of life. The psalmist is confident that God shows him the path of flourishing. Lastly, God provides security by giving his presence. It says, you will fill me with joy in your presence. You know, presence is powerful because presence transfers confidence and credibility. It transfers confidence and credibility. For example, a child could be terrified of the dark, but if their parent is with them, then suddenly the fear is minimized or better yet, it disappears. The room is still dark, but the presence of a parent gives confidence. Likewise, you could be a nobody. But if you take a picture with a famous celebrity, then suddenly you have a degree of credibility. Their social credibility is transferred to you. What they've done, what they've accomplished, and what they own is sort of socially passed on to you. 
So you could be, pardon me, still a nobody, but you will get more likes on Instagram and Facebook on that photo because the presence of that famous someone adds to your credibility. It's interesting, isn't it? Having God's presence means also having confidence even in the greatest storms of life. So that even if our circumstances do not change, having God is enough. Having God's presence also means having credibility based on Him. So that even if we carry guilt, sin, and shame, all that Christ has done on our behalf is credited as righteousness to us. So that what we receive in exchange is justification and holiness. All that Christ has done and accomplished, all that Christ owned is passed on to us. But not just temporarily, it is permanently for all who believe. Friends, safety is what makes life possible to live. God gives that. Satisfaction is what makes life worth living. God lavishes that. Security is what makes life livable. God offers that. So what are some implications? Firstly, let me encourage you to recalibrate your needs. You know, we need lots of things, and many of which are absolutely common sense and essential. But do you in your heart of hearts believe that if you have God, then you do not need anything else? Perhaps what needs to be at an even more foundational level of Maslow's hierarchy is a right relationship with God. That's what we all need. And it's from there that all things flow. Secondly, since God is all that we need, then we can actually become generous with what we have. This enables us to begin holding loosely to what we have on earth. Our time, our talents, and our treasures, all of these things can be offered up as sacrifices and services unto God and to those around us. Our greatest need is something that we cannot lose. Therefore, this enables us to share our earthly treasures with others to the glory of God. So here is a point to ponder this week. What do you need? Have a think about that. And I pray that we will together echo the psalmist who says in verse 2, You are my God. If I have you, then I don't need anything else. May the Lord give us faith to believe in this. Let's pray together, shall we? Our gracious God, we thank you for your word in Psalm chapter 16 to us. We pray that we would truly believe that we are safe in your hands. We pray that we would know the deep satisfaction that is found in you. We pray that we would experience the security that you promise in your word. Our gracious God, we recognize that we have many needs, but we pray that at the foundational and fundamental level, we would know that our greatest need is you. Help us to pursue you. Help us to depend on you. Help us to continue taking small steps of faith in you every single day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Friends, thank you for joining us for another week here at Saturated in Scripture. I hope and pray that you've been able to taste the sweetness of Scripture with us. Until next week. 
Delight in the law of the Lord.